The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne, and Mr. John Sestina. How are you guys today? Tony, you're so, not talking? It's another wonderful day. That's a beautiful <laughs> I mean, day. It is. We it's... didn't win the billion dollar uh Powerball, so we're at we're working. Hey, I like well, that. Well it wasn't big enough yet. That's a good point. Right? <laughs> you want that curse, Stephen? What curse? I give you me the challenge. Well, I, I first thing I mean it'd be fun because okay. I do a lot okay. of charity. All right. Charitable giving would be fun. Okay. You have a lot of charities. John, what would you, you do if you won two billion dollars besides pay taxes? <laughs> That would be my battle. I would go around trying to defeat taxes. There you go. Going all over. But I, I never, you know, I don't gamble. Okay. So I don't worry about that. I never, I think I bought one ticket. Mm-hmm. Many, many years ago, I bought one ticket. And it was probably only for about a couple hundred thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> the okay. winnings. Yeah. So um, I never get too excited about that. Yeah. I, I think I, it's unfair to the public because who takes advantage of that? People who can't afford it. Yeah. They go in with, I, I saw somebody spending a few hundred dollars yeah. for tickets. I went and bought the one because that's just the, the odds are just sure, one is just sure. as good as two or 20. Yes, it is. And um, somebody was buying a couple hundred dollars worth of tickets. And I was like, oh boy. So, so it is, but I would, I would do a lot of charitable giving. That would be fun. I'd be a philanthropist. Well, you give it to my charity. You know, it's at the John Fund. The Sustina Sustinabus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But today's uh, today's topic, we're going to focus on the generalist. We talk about uh, the financial planner being the generalist and their specialist. So we're going to talk about what's the difference between the generalist and the specialist. But the most important topic of today's show is is recognition, recognition to Veterans Day. Amen. Right. Very, very important for everyone to recognize the importance of Veterans Day. Uh, talk about you know, Memorial Day is the ultimate sacrifice, but Veterans Day is, is ju- just right there as far as importance to this country and uh, the world. Yeah, as you know, I used to do this uh, Patriot Guard, a motorcycle ride, in honor of the veterans, and those were usually the ones who didn't come back. Mm-hmm. So we'd go to the funerals of this thing, but there is nothing more emotional to me than being with those soldiers. Mm-hmm. And then I got sitting around with some and talking about the guys who did come back, and do you realize all that they saw? I mean, just just think about that for the minute. Yeah, you're out there seeing all that stuff. Your body, whatever, your buddy next to you gets it, and whatever's going on, what that does to you. And they came back, and we call it PTSD, maybe. Yeah, and we don't recognize it. We gotta. The veterans deserve special attention. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, when you think even about the history of it, I mean, November 11th, the the end of all wars, the greatest war. Right. Yeah. All wars. So much for that, unfortunately. Yeah. There, there's but, a uh, Armistice Day, right? The war mm-hmm. to end all wars. Uh, there's a great new, it's a new movie. It's a remake, the uh, 
All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, it's yeah. It's brand new. It just came out on Netflix. I watched it. It's fantastic. Right. We, um, you know, it, it's real. Right? right. And, John, to your point about the trauma, all, all veterans of whatever country, if you served in war and saw, saw some things you probably never can forget and no. never want to talk about either. That's for sure. That's why when they came back and people say they'd ask questions and the veterans never wanted to talk about their experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly well, understandable. And when we think, I mean, I'll relate it back, go to finances or financial planning. I mean, you look at certain states and the laws and the rules, maybe some veterans are exempt from property taxes or exempt from certain taxes on their income. So as you think about what did I do, where am I at in the world, these are things to think about because there are states and places that favor a little bit more than others, and to be aware of that and utilize those benefits that are out there is really important. And that's where the DAV comes in and some other organizations. But to make sure you're getting what you're entitled to is really important. That's a really important point because so many people – you, you mentioned charities. So many people are not aware of all the things that might help them, whatever their circumstances are, whether it's a charity or a veteran or whatever the case may be. And so education is still paramount in this country. Yeah. Education is king, no matter. That's why we have to protect it. And never stop learning either. Never. Right? It doesn't never. stop at 12th grade or college nope. or postgraduate school. You need to constantly keep evolving and learning. Right. I mean, you think about it for what's put in there, the defense of our country, the actual land, the concept, the people, the culture. I mean, to not have to pay property taxes might sound like a pretty good deal. It also sounds maybe like a fair deal. I know fair subjective the way we say it here, but it's just one of those things to think about as we ponder some of those that came before us and what veterans have gone through. And there's some benefits out there we could perhaps pass rightfully so. So just things to think about. Well, yeah. even go visit the veterans' homes. Mm-hmm. Realize that. I mean, in, in the karate I study, we used to do that. Our our master, who was uh, from Burma, and he actually fought in wars, so he was very sensitive to this. And he would, every Veterans Day, go to the hospitals, visit veterans, and just sit with them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's all they need. Somebody pay attention. It's hard to imagine how being alone can be so lonely. If you're carrying a burden, and some of these guys are, yeah, some of the gals, yep. So, pay attention to Veterans Day, folks. Yep, very important day uh, for our country and the world. All right, so we're going to switch subjects here. Uh, we always start the first segment with current economic updates. Today we're recording on Thursday, so today big, big uh, inflationary report. Tony, what did that report have to say? Well, it says a couple things. It says inflation's still up 7%, so that's pretty high, but it also says it's slowing. And I think what the market or what businesses are reacting to is if we see this slowing finally, maybe there's more room for profit. I mean, that's what the value of a stock is derived by. What's the future income worth? And if expenses aren't going to keep rising as fast as they had planned, well, there's a little bit more profit. Maybe I'm oversimplifying here, but that was the thought. Yeah, I'm not sure I would agree that things are slowing. You know, again, having lived through this before, it could still go much higher. And the key here is control. And there is no control in in the underlying stability of our economy, for that matter. And so there's so much disruption at those levels, and those are done through regulations. Not so much taxes, but regulations. 
And as we keep dumping regulations on all these companies, that disrupts what you're talking about, Tony, I think. Okay. Well, well, we, and we're starting to see the uh, um, Facebook, the new new name for Facebook. Meta. Is, Meta, sorry. <laughs> Meta had large layoffs this week. Oh, yeah. Well, huge. Like 11,000, yeah, some, right. some number like that. Yeah, 14% of its workforce. Right. And and I, I hate to say it because you don't want to – there are people's lives that are tied to it. But that is the easiest way for larger companies to control costs, yep. to, to reset, is slashing payroll. Mm-hmm. Because that's a, one of the largest expenditures, and that's the reality of it. So moving into 2023, that's that's the big deal. That's what we have right. to focus on. We have been focused. Jobs have been very good up until this point. So that's good. Where does it go from here, well, I think, is going to be the tipping point. <laughs> and partly the way to slow inflation is more people laid off. Having yeah. wages slow down. I mean, wages and housing are the biggest elements of all this inflation stuff. If you've looked at Zillow or any of those places lately, you finally see houses sitting, prices declining. Yep. So that's the other part that's hopefully slowing. Hopefully. Me, my house value is going down, Tony? It might oh, be, John. We'll awesome. come back to that. We'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Because we've talked about this. For those who listen to the show, we talk about it all the time, right? And and the ho- the housing market, just like everything uh, else, it was overinflated, 20%. We're going to see it in the markets that can't sustain it. You're going to see a 20% reduction in housing prices, like it or not. You don't have to believe me, but it's going to happen in most markets. Markets are cyclical. Yep. That's the reality. So we're coming up on a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about crypto and the new news there. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Well, first segment, we talked a little bit about Veterans Day, current inflationary environment. Tony, this this week we had a really, really important uh, storyline in cryptocurrency. Care to shed some light on that? Uh, Very important because for those who've been listening, paying attention, the bug, is it a bug or is it a feature? There's not a lot of regulation in crypto. And a lot of people, especially on the marketing side or those involved with crypto, have bragged about that. You know, it's not a big bank. It's not as regulated. It's not under the government's thumb. A lot of things we might agree with in concept, but then when you break it down, okay, where does this money actually get held? How much can they leverage against it? What's the transparency on that? None of those rules are developed yet. So what we're seeing this week is one of the larger exchanges, one of the larger holders of basically companies involved with crypto has had a traumatic week, is down dramatically. It might even be bankrupt. It might be bailed yeah. It's, it's already just, been announced. It's okay. Declaring back. Yeah, they locked up accounts. You can't withdraw any more money. Uh, it, it's as bad as Billions, it could be almost. Right? And here we are. Billions. Yeah. It's Locked. almost as bad as, Locked. I mean, John, so, I don't know. You think about that, Stephen, all those billions you had in crypto yeah all gone, gone now you can't it, even get to it yeah that's why i'm here I'm, I'm <laughs> back to back to work right so uh, but the big thing tony to your point about regulation or no regulation i should say there was another uh area that used to have, not have regulation and that was the stock market and you look back the 1929 crash part of that pump up to the crash it was all being pumped up by 
basically swindlers, right? There was people just manipulating the market. Oh, Stephen. Okay, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, I've got okay. a good story <laughs> for you. I can't you. believe you're talking about it, swindlers, have, Stephen. Right. Gee I mean, whiz. And again, this is where a little bit of regulation, John, I don't want to cankle you here, yeah, but just you know, a little regulation. Maybe right, not right, a lot. Right. Maybe not a lot. But, I thought you were a free um, capitalist, Tony. I, I Come am. On. I am. But when the, dare I say, the little old lady or the widow goes out and buys stock certificates, that were just printed off of a printer and there's no regulation there and she gives up her life savings, that's where I think maybe there's some barriers we need to have because that's what used to happen. I mean, guys would go get their printer going, say, hey, I've got shares of General Motors, and there's no record. There was no other. They just faked the QCIP, faked the number, and you could buy a stock certificate not even dry yet. So, again, it took a lot of years, and maybe the regulation's gone. Not maybe. It's probably gone too far. Oh, very far. <laughs> and the same on the opposite side for crypto, where there is none. There is none of this regulation. So the idea of how do I know I'm doing business with somebody like a big company who's been around for 80 or 100 years, you don't. You just don't. There's no history there yet. So you're saying that with regulation, no major company could go bankrupt. Oh, not at all. Oh. Not at all. <laughs> so, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick your brain here. No Uh-oh. regulation. So, how in whether it's a stock market, the crypto market, what happens when you have no regulation? You just those who lose lose, and yep. those who cheat and steal cheat and steal. Yep, they do. Then it's how a free do you, market? Caveat emptor. That's right. That's, Buyer that's, beware, right? I mean, it's a free market. It's just a show on that with people's life savings. You may not want to go. That see, there far. you go qualifying it again. All right, I am though. You can't qualify this stuff. It's it's uh, if it's a free market, it's a free market. I'm uh, in a free market. I'm able to do something stupid with my money, but it's on me. It's not on the market to buy that's that Powerball ticket. True, but yeah. we don't. It, it's your choice. <laughs> you go right. buy that ticket. So the same thing is true. So what we've done is we begin to protect, 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 and people stop using their common sense. And they're starting to rely on, well, if the government says, government says, et cetera. And I think that's tipped the wrong way. Tipped the wrong way. So you got you got to stand up. you got to be educated. Figure it out. You wouldn't go buy a stock off of a some guy selling it out of his rain jacket. You would, <laughs> I would hope not. You, you know, you... You go to the local uh, pawn shop or something. <laughs> right, right. But you can but imagine isn't, but, these but scenarios. Isn't everything then buyer beware because even if it is out of a raincoat or out of a store, who says that store is legitimate? That's exactly right. But see, you're you're estimating that a big store, I don't want to name any, but we've had a few big stores in Columbus disappear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think was the uh, outside of here, I think, didn't the uh, the, the parade people. Yeah, the, the Lazarus, group. Macy's, I no, think. No, 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 the okay, National, sorry. the uh, out of New York. Nate Macy's. Macy's. Yeah, Tony said, okay. Are they gone? No, not yet. Not yet, but they're down, they're, way they're, down. Yeah, but okay. they may be the only one surviving, so they'll they'll have market share because everyone else failed. Yeah, everyone else right? goes down there. <laughs> so you can't, you can't, so what you're saying is, I don't want to be the judge of whether or not this is a credible company or this is a credible place for me to put my money. Yeah. I want the government to decide that. No, it's the government's deciding the regulations they have to disclose. Why? So that everything can be compared fairly. If you're the uneducated consumer because you're a janitor, you don't have time to learn all this finance stuff, it seems pretty reasonable to have some sort of disclosures so your citizens aren't regularly going into poverty because that's what was happening. I mean, these people didn't have life savings. There was no social safety net. If you dipped your life savings into a bad deal, you were gone. 
just wiped out. Just like you are now, just like with crypto that happened today. Right, right, right? exactly. Hence why we're saying in against this stuff. That's okay. why Tony doesn't have crypto. I, I <laughs> or don't. myself. He According to my disclosure. Sold it out of his coat, dude. <laughs> hey, hey, well. <laughs> but I see that, and that's where do you draw the line? Like, I'm, that's I'm with the point, Tony. Though. I you're know right. you're like, you're, you're scoffing at Tony and I. We want some regulation, but what? where does it go too far? That's right. right? And that's, I guess, with everything. That's but, a good but point to have John, I'll remember our conversation in 2008 when the banks were failing. And I, I said to you, I said, well, I guess this relief program is a good thing. You're like, no, it isn't. <laughs> I'm like, but all the banks would fail, and and you're like, well, that's how it works. Yeah, and I, it sort of blew me away that you would take, but that's that's the purity of what you're saying. That's your position. Buyer beware, and capital capitalism well, as purest form is: if you lose, you lose. It's it's the idea too of moral hazard. You know, when the banks get oh, bailed Lord, out. Now we're going to go into morality. Ben, ben yeah, John. You want the government deciding your morality? No, I'm, I'm agreeing oh, with you on this goodness. one. You know, if you put your money in a bank and it went under and you got your money back anyway, well, why do I take, why don't I take that risk again? And that's the part where hopefully if people feel the market, and that's where we're talking, I think, that balancing, or maybe no balancing act and just a, a free market out there, but the idea of, well, if you're going to go do something, you got to live with the consequences. Just how much extra information do you have to make your decision? That might be what we're coming to. Or not, John. I don't know. Well, I'm going to go back to my most reliable history source and economic evaluator. And demonstration of all that's right, gun smoke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good okay. one. All right. <laughs> and when the banks in gun smoke, what did they have? Gold bars. They had nothing. They had a bank. And uh, in fact, when all the great robberies were going on in the what the early twenties or West, something, yeah. uh, those banks were all independent, and there were bank notes that were from an individual bank. So you might have had thirty different bank notes to use out there. So that's the way it is. You can't, and that's okay, because it would have been fine without the Fed and without <laughs> but, the but Federal Reserve. But on that Reserve. note, then is it any different with the hedge funds? Right? Why? Because they're, they're, they're unregulated. They're wild west too. They're unregulated, and they can just basically print a statement and say, "Here's what it's worth," and it is what it is. Yep. So, are you going to invest in a hedge fund? No. That's right. <laughs> So therefore, you you make those kind of decisions, yeah. And people can be informed instead of watching those daggone games on your phones and watching too much TV. Maybe read something, figure it out before you put your money. Worked hard for your money. Yeah, it's a good point. So Get we're coming up here on a break, but uh, to to close, I do agree, John. Right, be knowledgeable. We talked about education earlier. Very very important. And, and don't don't chase something. Don't chase for more. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne, and Mr. John Sestina. First segment, we talked a lot about inflation. Second segment, what did we talk? Crypto and Free market, and, no free market, and regulation. Uh, if you'd like to learn more, l- learn more about managing to be wealthy and John E. Sestina and Company, you can look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Uh, contact us if you're interested in learning more, or if you'd like to listen to podcasts, just tell your Alexa, "Hey, play Managing to Be Wealthy podcast," and it will trigger 
So these are ways to get more information. Um, Tony, we, we shared a really interesting article this week about the fee-only financial planning industry. There was an article written by Mr. Bob Barris, who John has known for almost 40 years, I guess. Um, and it was titled, The Obstacles and Solutions to a Post-AUM Profession. So we're going to talk about the fee-only financial planning profession. Tony, what did you find interesting with this article? Well, first, let's break it down a little. AUM, what is that? It's not gold. AUM is assets under management. That means are you mad? Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> See, you John, you're helping me again. Uh, that, if you're thinking about how does the financial industry bill, in most cases, they bill on assets under management. How, if you give me $100 and I charge 1%, that's a dollar. That's the way it works for most of the industry. And what you're talking about or the topic of the article is, is there an area or is there a future for financial advisors, financial planners? I mean, they included more than just financial planners. We know there's a difference. But is there a room in the financial industry for a non-AUM model? And we can proudly stand up and say, we know there is. Yeah. In uh, fact, but, John, this is nothing new, right? Sure isn't. When we started the original fee-only financial planning association called NAPFA, right? N-A-P-F-A. N-A-P-F-A. Everyone who was a member had to be fee-only, not A-U-M. And I always remember this one guy came, he wanted to join, and he was A-U-M, and we wouldn't let him in. And uh, since then, it's drifted, of course. But, I mean, think of the logic of this. If you're AUM, you're going to be charged your 1% or whatever, no matter what the market does. So if it goes up or down, and I I laugh every time I see this one TV commercial, and they say, oh, we only make money when our clients make money. Oh, I love that argument. Yeah, It's unbelievable. So they're trying to set themselves off, same as people using the word fiduciary. Like, uh, you know, that's a sales term. It shouldn't be a sales term. Right. It's a, it's a other kind of term. So anyway, uh, it's been around forever originally, and that was how many years ago? 1980-something? Yeah, it was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. I was young then. There you go. <laughs> so we're, no, 40 years, close, close yeah, to 40 42. years ago. Yeah, 40, yep. right? And and as you said, AUM was not accepted in the NAPFA. No. But along the way, the association said, well, maybe if we're going to expand membership and, and – start to grow as a organization, we should let the AUM models uh, a part of the fee-only environment. That's right. And that's where the waters got muddy. Yep, the, the cracks began to fall, come, and that's when people uh, were listening to Tony and wanted to protect the little old ladies, and so that's why they wanted AUM. You got, you got it, John, just like me, just like me, wanting to protect little old ladies. Mr. Regulation. Yep, darn it. I'll take that one. Um, but, no, I mean, you think about it. We we would say that how you are compensated usually drives where you're motivated. I mean, there's conflicts of interest abound all over the place. And if you're compensated only on the investment piece of things, where do you think you're going to spend most of your time? Where do you think you're going to look? And that might sound great. That's the way the industry was presented for many, many years. But we know there's much more to financial planning than just investing. And if you're going to tie financial planning and investing together, hopefully you can have a purer way to bill rather than, well, how big's your portfolio? I'm going to bill off of that. There may be other complications, businesses, family, all kinds of stuff. And there's some serious things that you need to look at as a financial planner. For example, 
let's suppose someone wants to uh, buy a house and they have a sizable portfolio and they see a nice house and they want to pay cash for it, which means they'd have to sell off their portfolio. How does the AUM guy respond? You can do better in the market yeah, than the 4% it. mortgage that you could get. Yep, exactly. So there, it's what you say, Tony. If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so they would think they want to preserve the size of that portfolio so that their 1% or whatever stays up there. Right. Kind of a thing. I, and we know there's good people that oh, do there this. Are good and, people, and of course. Certainly they're, they're motivated by hopefully doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, we know there's direct incentives to keeping that pot of money as big as it could be, despite maybe, maybe it makes sense to cash some of that in. You know, hey, you just retired, you're 50, you're in a super low income tax bracket. Maybe it's a great year to take money out or pay some capital gains. There are many reasons why it might make sense to pay cash for that property rather than take on a mortgage at 8 or 9%. So there's a lot to think about that hopefully you're working with a fiduciary and it's someone that can look at the bigger picture. But like you said, John, now the term fiduciary even gets muddied because it doesn't mean that you're a comprehensive plan. Planner, right. It might mean you're a fiduciary on an account, but that's not all encompassing. And the AUM, again, that's for the investment advisor. Yep. We are financial planners, and that is a completely separate perspective or separate job. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But that's, again, where the, the waters are getting muddy because you have now the investment advisor slash financial planner but to your point about what are the goals? Are you focusing on the goals or you're focusing on the AUM or the assets under management? And even in the investing world, what if there's an outside investment that is the best investment ever? <laughs> Does that investment advisor say, no, go take your money over there. I just won't get compensated, but you're going to make a lot of money. They won't. They're going to refuse it because they're going to lose that AUM. So it, there's a lot of conflict there. And and in the industry, the the new... Um, term is to steer away from AUM now to go to the it's coming back John this is good news good <laughs> right that's the good news of all before this. I die this will all be straightened out there you go <laughs> well and again this is really important because you said it John you say it a lot you taught us well I hope that you look at the motivations what are the incentives what are the motivations and if you want someone looking out for the bigger picture only looking at investments probably in the right incentive well, you know what, Tony? You want uh, you want help with the little old lady. I do. I and, do. And, and you want someone watching out for her. I have good news for you. All right. Regarding the investments, there is such a person. It's called the SEC. And you love them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a mild fan <laughs> if they're listening. If they're listening, I'm a big fan. It's kind of like the IRS. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we love them. Huge fan. Huge fan, John. <laughs> don't, don't say those letters again, please. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> So, you know, they're, they're, they're the only – it's your money, and no one cares more about your money than you do. And I told you guys at the break when someone would come to me and say, look, I want to hire you. I want you to do everything. And I would say, no, I'm sorry. It won't work for you because you must be intellectually involved. You must know what you're doing. And if you don't understand it, we'll educate you because I think that's part of our role. And and the, and the client, the end user has to do some of the lifting. Yep. It's no different than a fitness routine. The trainer's not sitting there pumping the weights and running on the treadmill. They're telling you what to do, but you're the one doing the work and the exercise and that's a lot like financial planning, uh but the education aspect is so so important.
Yep. So important as part of this. Well, and that's where we're going to next, I think, is yeah. when do you call in the other experts? You know, if the financial planner is the generalist, and that's what we think we are, not the jack-of-all-trades, master of none. We know what we're good at. We know the financial plan portion of this. But when you want to get to specific estate law or something, that's for an attorney. And that's what we're going to talk about next is who are the specialists. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. All right, today's show, we're really going to focus on the role of the financial planner is, John, you like to call them the generalist versus the specialist. So help help the listeners understand what you mean by the generalist versus specialist. Well, I can't use the analogy I used to use because I've been going to, Bobby and I have been seeing doctors recently, and that's been a joke because they're not at all what they used to be uh, in the sense of treatment. It used to be there was a TV show, this will help, and the TV show was called Marcus Welby. And none of you are old enough to remember that show. No idea. But he was a generalist physician. Okay. I didn't know if he was an internist or whatever. He was just a physician, family doctor. And he knew his patients inside and out. And he'd see him and might go to dinner with them. And they'd come over and he'd visit. And all of a sudden you're visiting with Dr. Welby. And he'd look at it and say, your eye flinched. There may be something wrong with you. We need to examine you because he was so sensitive to you. And so he would examine you and say, ah, this looks like it might be serious. So what we have to do is go to a neurologist. So he, as the generalist, would escort you to the neurologist who would evaluate whether or not you had a problem. And if you did, he would turn you over to the neurologist, the specialist, who would treat you for whatever the disease was. Once you were fixed, then he would turn it back over to Marcus Welby and they'd go back to being chums. Excellent. And Tony, in the financial planning world, who are the specialists out there if we are the generalists? There's a lot of different ones. I mean, you think about what is the area we're talking about? Is it banking and mortgages? Is there a debt specialist? Is it insurance for a car, insurance for a business? Is it even different areas of law? Maybe it's your new employment contract or you bought a business or you're just getting your estate plan done. These are all different parts of the financial body to continue your analogy, John. So the idea that you might need a specialist on your toes rather than just that generalist, that's what we're talking about. Again, I think the analogies or stories help. I mean, the idea of you're sitting down ready to buy your first car dealership, do you want someone who's just a generalist? No. You want someone who knows dealerships in that area, in that marketplace. Now, it might be someone that you deal with once or twice in your life, maybe every five years, but you still want to have that specialist when you need it. And and going back to our earlier segment about the diff, um, the blending of the investment specialist and the financial planner, there's financial planning firms that do this, try to do the same thing with specialists of estate planning oh, yeah. or an attorney. And you don't know if they're truly the experts. And that's part of that conflict there. Because if, yeah, if, if you have, maybe you're, you have a farm, that's a different estate planning concepts or concerns than somebody who has a normal life of uh, regular real estate in a house and so forth. 
So again, that specialist is really, really important. We usually talk about the estate planning attorney, but uh, Tony, you, you mentioned it, like a contract attorney. Even John, you, I remember you, you talk about even for people who are doing a uh, buying a house, they should have their their should mortgage have an attorney attorney yep. review all the documents. Yep. People take shortcuts though. Right. I'm so proud. You know, when someone usually gets that new position or they started a company and maybe they want to incentivize people with stock or they receive some stock and they're going through their employment agreement and offer, they'll send it our way and we'll review it. But I'm not an employment law attorney. And that's something I point out and say out loud and say, this is something you may want to get with, have a consultation and review with an expert. And that way, two years from now, if it doesn't work out with your partners, you know the ins and outs of what that contract really said. Rather than being excited for your new job and signing on the dotted line, this is where you need to know, when should I talk to an expert? Well, and don't don't skip a notch here. The fact is you may... You may not have read the contract, and if, even if you could, you wouldn't understand it. So you may have someone else. You got to step in between there. Yep. Where maybe you're you are working with an attorney. What does it say, so that you can direct your client perhaps to that attorney or to someone else who's in the, a specialist in the area. So there are lots of specialists these days. Everyone's a specialist. I mean, you have to be a specialist to comb your hair. <laughs> it's really remarkable. <laughs> What? That's how I lost my finger. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. When we hear it a lot, it's niche planning, niche, niche. You know, I work with radiologists only, or I yeah, work with these teachers only, or something. Well, because they're and that, and that, that is part sense. of it. I, I do. Uh, CPAs are a perfect example. They're brilliant minds, but can they convert it to common language? And that's where the the the, the complexities of acronyms and all this stuff. And, and as a good financial planner, that's what we need to learn and how to communicate and translate it to common language to, to un- have the client understand what are we talking about here? What is an RSU? What is an AGI? What do all these acronyms mean? And how does that impact you? Where I really see a lot of value too in discussing these when these different scenarios pop up and we see the eye twitch to use your analogy, John, right? <laughs> when we see that, it's time to say, which specialist do we need? What's going on here? And it's because we have the documents, we have the ongoing relationship, we kind of have that baseline, what physicians talk about. They've got to see you when you're normal to know when something's out of whack. And that's part of this ongoing planning process, too, that thankfully we don't just meet with people right before they retire. I mean, some will come to us then, but the ideal scenario is you're working with us all along during the path to retirement, and you get a lot more control. It's not just a one-time, let me go see this then. There's a lot that goes on behind this. And even in retirement, you're going to find, if you've been with a planner long enough, you'll begin to appreciate you're going to want them longer because they have more insight and they'll help you through this. It's not a, okay, set the goal at retirement. How much do I need to save? Okay, I'm going to save that much money. Made it. I'm done. Right. No way. No yeah, way. It's very fluid. Yeah, very life fluid. works it's in phases. Yeah, things life, happen. Life, all, uh, life, life gets in the way. Keeps changing. I mean, yeah. all the things in your life that happen every minute that you don't know. I mean, illnesses come and go. You have, uh, you know, ch- babies are born. You inherit something. You don't inherit something. Thousands and thousands of things. You want to downsize your downsize your house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So your life keeps changing. That's why it's called managing to be wealthy, because it requires constant management on your part. And if you have an advisor who speaks to you in terms that you don't understand, you fire him. 
I say that all the time. If you hire a lawyer and all he does is speak legalese, get another one. Accountant, accountant needs, get another one. Insurance, etc. So recognize you're the boss. Once again, it's your money. No one cares more about your money than you do. I love when you say say that. No one cares more about your money than you do. Because if you keep saying it enough, it it has it should and it must be true. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I always love when you say that. <laughs> and we see it on both sides, too. I mean, you have to take ownership. You have to. Otherwise, there's no, hey, I should have done this, should have done that. You've got to be involved. Yep. And that's both parties, too. If you have a spouse or partner here, it's everybody being involved. That's a good point. you got to bring everyone together. Whoever's a part of that financial plan needs to be in the meetings, need to be talking. There's nothing worse than you're talking to half the parties. Uh, that That's usually a breakdown in communication. Well, we're coming up here at the end of the show, and great conversation today. It's been fun. Uh, we'll talk more regulation and shows to come so John can get the blood pressure up. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for everybody for listening and tuning in and share with your friends and family. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.